all ready to learn something today? Look to your neighbor and say, you ready to learn something today? You ready? All right, y'all got to take notes. Let's start, um, follow with me. We're going to start with Matthew 13, 1 through 9. It's about the parable of the farmer scattering seed. I love how Jesus told stories, stories and sharing his experience, and that's how people learned. And I, I don't know if you guys know this, but research shows that human beings learn better and actually retain more information when it's shared in the form of a story. So here we go. Let's jump in. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, and he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He stood. Wait, did I read the wrong line? I have ADD, guys. Let me go back to that. Okay, a large crowd soon gathered around him. He, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil underlying, with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell amongst thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Man, it sounds to me like something's trying to grow here. But due to the shallow soil, the rocks, and uh, the hot sun, and not having deep roots, the plant got choked out. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. Everybody say fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Everybody say fertile soil. Let's pray. Father, we invite you into our hearts, into this room, into just this message that it might open ears, that we might hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today, God. Father, till the, the, till the soil of our hearts today and that it may grow and bear fruit that remains here on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So my message title today is called This Time Next Year. Everybody say this time next year. Ah, that was a little weak. You got to say it louder. You got to talk to me. I need some energy in this room. Ready? This time next year. So when the way your life is right now, I don't know what may be going on. Things might be crazy. Things must be, might be great. But when we make a declaration with faith that this time next year, when we apply some principles of growth to our lives, things could look very different. Very, very different. So I want to declare over you today that this time next year, what you're praying for, that it's going to manifest. Yeah. So Jimmy and I, I want to share the story with you that Jimmy and I moved um, into a, a home three and a half years ago, and he planted grass, and the grass wouldn't grow. So it was kind of like the sod. They rolled out the sod, I guess, um, and it wasn't taking root. So like three years later, we're in the middle of this pandemic, and we're sitting on our front porch, and we're looking, and Jimmy's just so discouraged. His man hood is like 
taken a hit. How many guys know, like, having a green thumb, having a lush long lawn is a thing in man law, right? Am I right? So he's feeling real bad about himself. He's like, why won't this grass grow? He had this company come out and analyze the soil because he had composted, seeded, aerated, all that stuff, right? And it just wouldn't grow. They came and analyzed the soil, and they basically determined that the soil was lacking nutrients for the roots in the grass and the, for the grass to grow efficiently. So the soil was lacking nutrients, and things couldn't grow, kind of like the parable right here. And I believe what God wants us to kind of ask ourselves today is what can we do in our own lives to restore the nutrients in the soil of our hearts? Because I don't know about you, if you look around, the soil of our hearts are in shambles right now. Going through this pandemic, mental health issues are shaking our country. Four in 10 people are dealing with a mental health crisis versus the year prior, it was one in 10. The statistics are staggering of how many dual diagnosis issues are out there with um, Americans, 20 million Americans over the age of 12, 20 million battle substance addiction. 9.5 of that 20 million have a dual diagnosis. So the mental health is impacting the substance abuse. All of us either know someone in addiction or have been through addiction ourselves to something. I think, oh oh my gosh, this one is staggering. Over 200,000 Americans are addicted to porn. More than 30 million people in the U.S. have eating disorders. Prescription drugs, drug abuse, gambling addictions, all the addictions, they're all on the rise. Why? Because of the shaking that's been happening in the mental health of our country, of our world, of humans. And people aren't talking about it. That's what I love about your pastors. They want to talk. They brought me in. They're like, we want you to talk about this in the church Because the church is supposed to be the safest place for us to heal. We're supposed to come broken, raggedy rag dolls needing Jesus, all of us, to this safe place to heal. But people have kind of this bad connotation associated with recovering from something. When we hear the word recovery, it's like a bad word. It's for them. It's for the alcoholics. It's for those people over there. I'm not one of them. We do that in the church a lot. How judgmental is that? Hmm. See, if the emotions are the seat of the soul, what does our emotional world look like? Our soil of our hearts. Can anything grow there, church? We all need to be recovering from something. We all need to recover the nutrients to bring back the ability for something to grow. God wants to grow you spiritually, but your emotional world is a wreck. They go hand in hand. 
and I believe God's gonna bring in a great awareness in this room today and those watching online, that your emotional world matters. It matters to God. He created it. He said it was good. But he wants you to deal with it, address it, recover it. Recovery is not a bad word. The definition of it is to return to a natural state of health, mind, and strength. How many of you want, by show of hands, to return to a natural state of health, mind, and strength? I know I'm not the only one in the room. Who wants to be all God intended for you to be? Who wants to experience the abundance of joy that the Bible talks about? Who in this room wants to experience immeasurably more than we could ask or think that Jesus says we're supposed to experience in the land of the living while we're here on this earth. We all have something to recover from. Recovery is the action or process of regaining possession or control of something that was lost or stolen. I don't know what was lost or stolen in your life. It could have been your innocence. It could have been... Um, my, my goodness, you could have lost something like a human, a house, a car was repossessed, whatever it is that was lost or stolen. Whether you need recovery from grief, recovery from being angry all the time. We all need to recover from something. We have to reframe the shame of recovery. And God wants to dig at the soil of our hearts so that things can grow. So how many of you have dealt with anxiety over the past year? By show of hands. Great, you're not alone. I won't ask you to raise your hands anymore, but in this room, many of us have dealt with depression. Many of us have dealt with suicidal ideations, addiction of all kinds, gambling, overspending, overeating, the list goes on and on. Because what we do when we're feeling pain in our emotional world, we reach for something to anesthetize the pain, right? We're human. We want the pain to end. So we reach for something to cope. And for me, I remember being at 35 years old, leading a church, three kids, two dogs, house, everything on the outside looked absolutely amazing. But on the inside, my emotional world was crumbling, falling apart. Because I had undealt with emotions from my past, undealt with uh, abuse from my childhood, physical, verbal. See, and there was sexual abuse as well that I was not willing to acknowledge at the time. So when the thoughts started coming up, I had disassociated from those things that had happened. I actually thought it didn't happen, like it was a dream. In fact, like, so if my hand is... The, the abuse situation, I just, like, I literally would look at it and like, nope, 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 don't look at it, don't look at it, because then it might, my acknowledgement that it happened, I thought it would make it real, then I would feel pain, then it would be overwhelming and I couldn't deal with that. So I just kept pretending it didn't happen. There are people in this room who have disassociated for some, from some things. Denied that it happened. Denied your own emotional world that... I was hurt when that teacher or that coach said that thing. Like, guys, the reality is we all come from dysfunctional families. All of us. So forgive your parents. 
they did the best they knew how with the information they had. So here I am leading this church, so much pressure. People are dying, people die. When you become a pastor, you have to do the funerals. It was babies, my godson. It was adults. One after the other, I experienced pain, betrayal, um, my goodness, divorces of people in the church. Like, I, I didn't know what to do with all this pain. And when stuff would happen to all the people in the church, I didn't have boundaries. So codependency is a thing that I'm in recovery from. So what I lacked boundaries. So what happened to other people, it happened to me. I took it on like it was mine. And it overwhelmed me. And then that long list of stuff, traumatic experiences of my own that I hadn't dealt with, I was falling apart. And my husband and I ended up on vacation, something super simple. Let's, you know, we got, I didn't drink all through my 20s. I was popping out babies, Um, (laughs) literally popping out babies, living off the adrenaline high of getting married, having children, buying a house, all of that, right? Well, that wore off. And when this pain started to surface and my body was remembering all the stuff that happened and said, hey, Irene, it's time to deal. You can't hide in stuff anymore. Guess what our brains, God created them that way. You can't get away from it. The stuff is going to show up at some point, no matter what age you are. Don't be afraid when it shows up. It's time to deal with it. Don't do what I do and drink at it. I medicated with alcohol. What went from a margarita that we introduced on um, vacation went to a bottle at dinner to me hiding vodka in water bottles over a six-year period of time. I had no clue this whole addiction thing because people don't talk about it. I didn't know that this legal thing, alcohol, it's legal. I'm over 21. I didn't know that when you abuse it, It takes over your brain. It hijacks it. You no longer care about the things you cared about before. Your value system goes out the window. You can't control it, and no one can stop you from having it. Not my beautiful family, those beautiful kids that I feel like I was born to have. I chose alcohol over them. Crazy making in my marriage. We fought all the time because I couldn't give up my best friend. I had found this agent of, this temporary agent of pain suppression. (laughs) And I wasn't gonna let anybody take it away. So here I am, pastor's wife, I hit rock bottom. Jimmy's about to leave me. Because I, I didn't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I wanna be an alcoholic. I wanna abuse alcohol and wreck my family. It crept up on me. The Bible says, don't conform to the things of this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Guys, guess what? I didn't, I'm not here to tell you whether alcohol is good or bad for you. Jesus made water into wine. We could argue that point forever, okay? It was bad for me because I had PTSD. I had trauma in a family history that nobody talked about. So I was unaware, unaware of this emotional world that I was allowed to acknowledge and face and deal with to let it go. I didn't know how to do that. So I drank at it, ended up in rehab 40 days later, five years now and 10 months sober. Here I am. 
Yes, I boast about what the Lord has done in my life, and I will forever spend my life sharing with the world about the miracle that I'm alive. Because I knew how, I, I had been, I, I literally, I was saved, I loved the Lord, but I was, had suicidal ideations. Because I was like, this world would be better off without me. Because I can't stop. So once they removed alcohol from me, and I'm in rehab, all of a sudden I realized there are all these underlying issues that led me to drink. Alcohol was just the symptom of what was really going on in my emotional world. And it was time to deal. So I want to leave you today with some tools that are going to help you deal with the underlying things to why we reach for something to cope with. All of us reach for something. I believe it's time to deal. Everybody say it's time to deal. Whether it's your, you know, come from a codependent family like mine, codependency is just simply dysfunction, right? It causes you to be boundaryless. You have no internal or external boundaries. That's why people physically and verbally abused me. And then I allowed things into my inner world. Codependency. Codependency can be a disease. It can wreck you because it can cause depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideations. What codependent people do is we, um, have, we don't have self-esteem. I have other esteem. I feel good about myself only when you tell me, or how you feel about me is how I feel about myself. That's called codependency. Ooh, what a miserable life I lived, taking care of everyone else and never addressing me. But I am just as important as everyone else that I serve. And God wants us all to recognize and realize that it starts with us. We, have to get, we can't serve others well until we serve ourselves well. So anyway, kicking codependency in the face is an amazing process. I'll be in recovery for that for the rest of my life. I believe codependency is the root of all addiction, but that's a whole nother message. But I don't know for you, maybe it's hopping from relationship to relationship to relationship, and you don't even feel like you're worth anything unless you're in a relationship. You feel bad about yourself. All of us know that person. And I'm saying this not to bring shame on you. I'm bringing it to your attention so perhaps the awareness that it might be a problem that is unmanageable in your life. Perhaps it's gaming, your phone, overeating. Like it could be overworking, workaholism. I hid behind working for so long to mask pain. I don't know what it is about you, but God wants to put it finger on it today. So if we're going to grow, we need some ingredients, some tools for growth. So I want to leave you with this formula that comes from another story, another parable found in Luke 13, 6 through 9. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming back for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should we use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it, fertilize it, and if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. If not, then cut it down. So I believe that in this last verse, the vineyard grower gives us three ingredients that drive our work for emotional growth. All of us 
need to grow and recover and need tools to grow in our emotional world. We've got to dig around, we've got to fertilize, and we've got to give it another year. Boom. Dig, fertilize, time. Give it time. That's what the scripture is telling us. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to, in your process of emotional growth, number one, you got to dig up dysfunction. Dig it up. We got to go back to our past. We got to go and acknowledge that the way maybe our parents disciplined us was not okay. It was abuse. My mom did the best she knew how. I don't, I have forgiven her. She has asked for forgiveness, but some of it was 100% abusive. And I had to acknowledge that I needed to recover from that. Because guess what? That past stuff follows us into our present. And my husband became the person I had experienced in my past. And I start dealing with him and relating with him as if he's the person who hurt me. He didn't do all that. But that's what we do as human beings. So I had to reverse that. But first I had to acknowledge it and dig it up. Like when Jimmy got the soil tested, right? And they said it doesn't have enough nutrients. He came up with this great project, like family project during COVID. He got all this compost, manure for those who don't know, fertilizer for the lawn, dumped on the driveway. Tons of it, okay? Three kids, dogs, were all outside, and we all had to get shovels and spread all this compost all over the lawn. It was like an acre of grass. Okay, this was not fun. It was stinky, messy, dirty. I found myself outside alone with my back hurting because everybody gave up and went inside, but something in me with my OCD was like, you're gonna finish this project. I needed to see it all gone and all over the lawn, you know what I mean? So we spread all of this, and it kind of made me think about this whole process of digging up dysfunction. So the soil messed up, needs fertilizer, I had to go dig up crap, literally. <laughs> Thank you for helping me, my sister. Dig up crap in order to fertilize the soil. The grass now is absolutely amazing, a year later. But it took digging up crap in order to do that. How can we do that in our lives? Counseling, getting in a small group, acknowledging that there okay, that was abuse, that was dysfunction, that was not okay, that was date rape, that was rape. I said no, period. It's not your fault. That person shouldn't have done that to you. They were supposed to protect you, right? It's okay, let's dig it up, deal with it so God can heal it. It's okay to not be okay, church. Like, let that free you. We don't have to have it all together. God can't begin to work all things around for good, Romans 8, 28. He can't turn it all around for good until you acknowledge some things. You've got to say, I don't have to have it all together, and then he can begin to turn it around for good. It's that moment of surrender. I'm broken. I remember being in rehab going, I'm like a wreck. I need help. 
And it was in that moment when I accepted my own humanity and that I didn't need to be perfect, that the grace of God began to came, come in and give me the strength to walk out a process of recovery and wholeness. I didn't get free until I admitted I had an issue. Because you can't heal a wound you say is not there. You've got to call it what it is. Go digging, church. You got to go digging. So number one, we got to go digging. Go digging. Number two, after we dig up some dysfunction, it's going to be painful, it's going to be messy, but it's going to be worth it. Then we can fertilize our future. And that's where this whole grace thing comes in. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. For when I am weak, I am strong. It's only for all the, you know, religious people out there who may have a problem with me saying I'm an alcoholic. Guys, I'm okay with it. I fought hard to admit my weakness. I'm not saying that I'm bad. Do you know it took me 38 days in rehab to realize that me saying I'm in recovery from alcoholism didn't mean that I am bad and I am broken and I am, can't be used by God? It took me 38 days and then some after I got home, intense outpatient treatment, EMD therapy, uh, trauma treatment, somatic therapy, all these different types of therapy, small groups, celebrate recovery, on and on and on. I had to work my program of recovery because this brain was convinced that I was bad. Shame. Shame says I am bad. Guilt says I did something bad. I had, Lord, reframed my shame when I began to admit my weakness and say I'm broken. I need a savior. It's when we are weak, admit our weakness, that his strength comes in to help us get whole. Yes, five years, 10 months sober, and now I can boast of what the Lord has done in my life. And I kick shame in the face every time I share my story of recovery, and it helps me stay sober another day. Amen. We all have stories, and God's not done with yours yet. If there's someone here listening online in the room, maybe feeling like there's no way God can use me. I've disqualified myself because of my mess. I just want to encourage you. Genesis 50, 20 says, what the enemy meant for evil, for bad, God will use to save the lives of many people. The Bible says that literally his gifts and his calling are irrevocable. That means nobody can take it away. So God can still and will use you. I know that for a fact. So how do we fertilize our future? We got to admit our weakness. Everybody say admit it. Admit it. Then the grace can come in. Come in. Get into a small group. Get into a celebrate recovery group. Start a celebrate recovery group here. Because remember, celebrate recovery is all, celebrating our recovery is all about uh, all of us having hurts, hang-ups, or habits. The habits, we've talked about, all that addiction. Prescription drugs, you went in for a little surgery, end up addicted. You're sitting in this room and think, I can't tell anybody. 
If anybody knew that I literally took a pill right before I came in here, they might shame me out of the church or throw the first stone. Like, guys, what are we doing? We've got to admit it. Admit it. And the Bible says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. It's in these small groups, in the Celebrate Recovery, that we can say, this grief, I lost that marriage. I felt a loss in a marriage. This is how it impacted me. Like, deal with it. We all need to recover from something. Remember all that porn that I talked about? 200,000 Americans are addicted. But think about social media, what our kids are exposed to. My goodness. Y'all, I don't know about you. I was exposed to it at like nine, eight years old. Like, we all need to recover from something. So Celebrate Recovery is a great place to start working on that grief, work on that anger, work on... Because you might be causing trauma in the, your loved ones with your anger. They're walking on eggshells. Don't know who's coming home from work today. And they're walking on eggshells, trying to please you. You don't even realize that you're creating PTSD and traumatic experiences in the ones you love. Maybe recovery for you might be admitting that there's some sort of um, abusive thing that's happened in your life or in your family. Get help for it. Take up the dysfunction. Fertilize your future by getting admitting what you're weak in or what is going on that God wants to address. And lastly, I want to leave you with this. Give it time. Everybody say, give it time. Everybody say, be gentle with yourself. Recovery is for everyone. Recovery is a process. It takes time to dig up dysfunction. It takes time. It's not like it's a one and done. You go to rehab, you come out, you take away the symptom of the addiction, but you've got all this underlying stuff that you have to deal with. It takes time. I remember getting frustrated in my process of recovery being like, I'm three years in, why am I still dealing with this? And the Lord reminded me, daughter, I'm never going to be done working on you. You're never going to stop growing. So lean into it. Lean into the process of recovery. It's not once a month church attendance. That doesn't make you grow spiritually. It's not going to a counselor once and saying, why isn't my marriage better now? It's not a one and done. It's a process that never ends. I have this thought, if you're not working on your recovery, you're working on relapse. It's true. If you're not working on your recovery, you're working on relapse. Because if you're not dealing with, it's not, everyone's recovery is going to look different. Mine involved a lot of meetings because the meetings helped renew my mind. It created new neuropathways. I had new ways of responding to the world and dealing with my inner world. And I learned how to do that through working the 12 steps. I didn't do it the traditional way, having a sponsor, all of that. I just went to meetings, learned from people's stories. All of us are gonna have different experiences of recovery. I'm just asking that you acknowledge that you need to be in something counseling, small group, 
Healing happens in circles. We learn in rows, we heal in circles, y'all. Get in a small group, do life with some people. If it wasn't for the people in my life, I never would have gotten to rehab. I never would have admitted to somebody what happened to me in my childhood. Healing can happen anywhere. You can be a part of someone else's recovery, but we gotta do the work. It's a process. It's not one and done. You've gotta trust the process. Everybody say, trust the process. I literally have a t-shirt that says, trust the process. It's gonna get messy, gonna get hard sometimes. It's gonna get stinky. People are gonna get hurt, not understand. Man, my family had to heal from so much. Why we're doing so well is because we put in the work as a family. Al-Anon, Alateen. We went to these support groups so that we could heal. Families of alcoholics, families of people in addiction are just as sick emotionally as the person in the addiction. So don't get it twisted, you need to recover too. All the attention goes to the person who's in the addiction but you're just as important, valuable, worthy of healing restoration. You deserve to get well also. So it's a family disease addiction that we all needed to recover from. And I thank God that my children have become amazing forgivers, amazing forgivers and have been through this process with me and us sharing it together, we have broken generational curses. It stops with me. I don't know what it is that God has put on your heart that you believe that it stops with you. Maybe you're tired of just being tired, tired of hiding. Because man, hiding is a great place for shame to breed. And that shame will keep us in our sickness, keep us in our addiction, keep us isolated, keep us hiding, keep us sick. But when we expose that thing to light and we confess our sins to one another, that we might be healed, we get forgiven when we confess it to God. But when we confess it to one another, we get healed. So get in a small group. Acknowledge that it's going to take time. Reach out to your church home and leadership for resources. Take care of yourself. It's okay. Self-care is important. It's not selfish. It's needed. Can't take care of anybody else until you take care of yourself. And at the end of the day, this Jesus that we serve, God, without him, there's no way we can get through facing, letting go of our past, the pain. He identified with our pain. He died on the cross to for, for, so we can be forgiven of sins, so that we can be healed. He wanted us to know when he came down to earth, God came down to earth in the form of man, Jesus Christ, that I identify with your pain. I, he died on the cross. He knows hum, hum, humiliation. He was naked, beaten for our transgressions, for our sins, to take them on. He looked shame in the face and he said, go back to hell where you came from because we have the victory in his death. He chose, that's how much he loved us. So acknowledgement of our brokenness, 
that I can never drink again because alcohol is a disease for me now. And when it gets in my body, I get crazy and I got to have a whole bunch of it and I can't stop. It's okay because Jesus is right by my side, here to forgive me, here to love me through and give me a better life. And he's here for you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're watching online or not, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. I just wanna ask you this question. Do you need Jesus today? Do you need the lover of your soul to come in and restore and heal and love you like you've never been loved before? It's just a simple confession through prayer. So everyone pray with me. And if that's you and you wanna start this journey with Jesus, I ask that you pray this prayer. Say, Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross, that he rose again on the third day, that I might have salvation. This gift is amazing. I receive it today. Now help me walk it out, Jesus. Help me press the reset button on my life and help me grow in my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So there are some people who accepted the freeing power of Jesus Christ today. And that's something worth clapping about for sure. I wanna pray for our next group of people. These people, and I'm gonna have everyone close your eyes in a second, but if you have, are bold enough to raise your hand and say you have overcome an addiction, you have overcome something like I have, would you be bold enough to share? You don't have to tell us the details of what it is, but by you raising your hand, you're just saying, hey, I'm broken. God has turned a bunch of stuff around in my life and now I'm free. Thank you so much for your boldness in sharing. Y'all, there are more people in this room than you realize who have the same struggles as you. You're not alone. But if you wanna take that first step in admitting that there's something that God wants you to get free from, your life has become unmanageable. This is how you know your life, that it might be teetering towards addiction. You're isolating, you're hiding. You're hiding something. You're not telling someone about it. You feel guilt and remorse when you wake up the next morning or after you have the episode with whatever. You have relational issues with your family, your spouse. Consequences are growing. You're losing your job. You're getting written up at work because you have either emotional issues you haven't dealt with, you have, and it's manifesting. Like, it's become real life. I wanna pray for you today. If your life is becoming unmanageable because of blank, you fill in the blank, food, alcohol, substance, person, place, thing, I wanna pray for you. I believe that God is gonna, there are gonna be people in here who end up sharing their story and their testimony that they got, had spontaneous sobriety through this prayer. So with every eye closed, every eye in this room. I need total just anonymity and safety for the people who are going to raise their hands. If you want to make that first step in admitting that there's an issue you, that you want to give to God, just admitting it to God. 
that you need help in. Would you raise your hand? Would you be bold enough? Thank you, 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 thank you. I see hands going up all over this room. You can put your hands down. Let me pray. Everybody stand with me and extend your hands towards heaven as I pray. Your hands simply mean, God, here I am. Find me. These are spiritual antennas. Father, we all come before you, God, your people, your daughters, your sons, just crying out to you for help. God, we're broken. We're raggedy rag dolls without you. So we acknowledge our weakness to you now. God, all of us need to recover. We acknowledge that. But God, some of us have taken the first step in admitting that there is something that's becoming unmanageable. And we're, God, we're scared it's going to wreck our life. So we want to ask that you bring the bottom up to us instead of us hitting rock bottom and use this moment, God, for a turning and a transition in our life. God, we repent. We say, I'm sorry. And God, help us to turn from these things that we have been using to cope. God, I pray that you would heal unacknowledged pain and emotions in this room. God, I pray that you would put us in around resources and people and networks that are help us get well. God, there are people who have gotten free in this room. God, I pray that you would help them get inspired to help others get free. God, speak to us, Holy Spirit. Show us where we need to recover. Help us never forget that this process never ends. Help us dig up dysfunction, fertilize our future, and give it time that we might bear fruit on this earth that remains for generations to come. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. You are amazing, God. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for Jesus and all those who gave their lives to the Lord today? I love you, church. Thanks for having me.